Welcome to Purdue Commercial AgCast, the Purdue University Center for Commercial Agriculture's podcast featuring farm management news and information. I'm your host, Jim Minter, director of the Purdue Center for Commercial Agriculture. And joining me today is Michael Langemeyer, professor of ag economics here at Purdue. We're going to review the results from the October Purdue University CME Group Ag Economy Barometer Survey of farmers from across the nation. Each month, we survey 400 farmers across the U.S. to learn more about their perspective on the ag economy. This month's Ag Barometer Survey was conducted from October 19th through the 23rd. And you know, Michael, uh, this was really interesting. I can't say it was completely unexpected, but I still was a little bit of surprised as to the strength that we saw in the Ag Economy Barometer. It came in at a reading of 183, which is a record high for the barometer. And it was uh, eclipsed the previous record by quite a bit. The previous record was 168 back in February. So we were fully 15 points higher than we were back in February before the pandemic hit. Um, what was your take on that? Yeah, I wasn't surprised that it went up, but I was a little surprised by how much. I mean, as you know, we've had some uh, pretty good trade news last few weeks. And if you look at uh, a look at the, uh, the, the WASDE report and at least the, the latest WASDE report, it looks like exports for both corn and soybeans are going to be higher than what they were the previous year. And we've also seen, of course, uh, strength in prices, uh, which, of course, the prices and the, and the positive trade news are related. And so certainly there were some very positive things going on uh, this month. And so it wasn't surprising that it increased, but I was a little surprised that it increased as much as it did. Yeah, and I think the related factor that you didn't mention is the um, second round of, uh, of uh, coronavirus payments from the USDA. So that compounded with the strength in commodity prices, I think really kind of led into that uh, boost in, in sentiment. Now, since the survey was done, we have seen a little bit of weakness in corn and soybean prices, but they're still substantially stronger than they were earlier in the year. And, uh, you know, I think that was reflected in the index of current conditions, especially, and to some extent, the index of future expectations. But, you know, the biggest rise was really in that index of current conditions. That rose from a reading of uh, 142 uh, in September to a reading of 178. That's record high again. Uh, the index of future expectations rose from a reading of 163 last month to a reading of 186 in uh, October. Again, that was record high. But the bigger boost there was really that index of current conditions. And I think that's consistent with what you were saying with respect to good yields, uh, strength in commodity prices, um, maybe some uh, impact of the, of the coronavirus payments coming in there as well. Those three things probably really gave us that boost in the index of current conditions. And then the future expectations, maybe a little bit of a thought process with respect to what's going on in the trade environment. What do you think? Yeah, and there is a question that's related uh, to the current conditions uh, that, that states, would you say that your farm operation today is financially better off, worse off, or about the same compared to a year ago? 25% said better off. Now, at first glance, or for, when you first hear that number, well, that doesn't sound very high. Uh, 25% th uh, said they said they were better off. But the key point here is, is it's never been even close to close to being that high uh, during the, the life of this survey. Usually that's right around 10%. So about 10% have indicated in previous months uh, that their farm operation today is better off. Oh, this time it was 25%. And so obviously, uh, obviously, the combination of things we've been talking about, uh, people think that the, their profitability, their financial performance is going to be stronger this year than, than what it has been for a while. 
Yeah, I think that really does kind of summarize it a lot. Uh, particularly, I think if I look, remember looking at that question, the most positive response we had ever received to that question before was 16% saying they were better off than a year earlier. And this month it was 25%. So that was a big move and a big shift from what we had been seeing. And, and really, I think, kind of helps explain that shift in sentiment that was taking place. So the sentiment index uh, really did kind of spill over into the farm capital investment index. People were more optimistic about whether or not now is a good time or a bad time to make large investments in their farming operation. That farm capital investment index rose from a reading of 73 last month to a reading of 82 this month. And I think the interesting thing about that 82 is that's not only the highest it's ever been, but it's it's higher than we were back in February, right before the pandemic hit. So people feeling better about the prospects for making large investments in their farming uh, operation. Um, you know, that, that shift has been dramatic going back to April. In April, that index stood at 38 and now we're at 82. Uh, that, that shift in sentiment with respect to making longer term uh, large scale investments is, is really pretty interesting. And I think um, it's going to be interesting to see if people really follow through with that in terms of making some of those investments. I think from a profitability standpoint, they very well may, uh, because certainly profitability prospects, uh, looking at the prices and looking at potential yields uh, you know, this, this year, they look pretty good compared to even where we were pre-COVID, and certainly much, much better than what they look like in April, May, and June. And so, uh, so profitability is up as much as I think it is. Uh, there should be enough money uh, to perhaps replenish some working capital. Uh, you know, to improve some liquidity situations, and in some cases, maybe replace some machinery that that hasn't been replaced for a while. Uh, you know, some farms have been waiting uh, for for uh, profits to be a little higher before they replace the machinery that needs to be replaced. Yeah, fourth quarter is typically an environment where you do see uh, significant amounts of investment in farm machinery. So it's going to be interesting to see how fourth quarter sales in the farm machinery sector really shake out, looking at things like tractor sales in the over 100 horsepower category, combines, et cetera. So it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. We asked people explicitly their plans for farm machinery purchases in the upcoming year compared to a year ago. And when we asked that question, this is kind of a new question for us. We only started asking this in March, so we don't have a real long history here. But in, in back in May, only 4% of the respondents said that they plan to increase their purchases of farm machinery, farm machinery compared to a year earlier. In October, that was 14%. Um, and it's been increasing almost every month as we went through the rest of the spring into the summer and now the early fall. And the same way, when you look at the percentage of producers that said that they were going to hold their investments in farm machinery um, constant or about the same uh, back in May, that was just 31% was going to hold those uh, purchases about the same with a year earlier. Um, in October, that was up to 53%. And again, that was pretty much increasing almost, not quite, but almost every month uh, as we went through the spring and into the summer and now the early fall. So, um, people are telling us that they plan to uh, make more purchases, certainly more purchases than they were thinking about uh, in the spring, and actually more purchases, uh, more optimism there uh, than what we were seeing uh, back in March, which was really just the beginning of the pandemic. Our survey was done um, as, the, as the pandemic was starting to unfold, but uh, hadn't, hadn't really fully impacted the ag sector at that point. 
Yeah, if, if you'd have told me back in the summer that we would have seen the, the, the numbers that we that we saw this month for Farm, Farm Capital Investment Index, for example, I would have thought you were crazy. Uh, just It's just unbelievable how much of a shift there's been uh, from this summer uh, to, to, to uh, the October survey. And, and it's really reflective of the dramatic shift in farm income prospects. Uh, you and I do yes. some monthly webinars uh, following some of the crop reports, crop production reports, and the, and the WASDE estimates. And the income projections, particularly for corn and soybean farmers, have changed dramatically going back to what we were projecting in June and July. So, you know, I think the change in the sentiment, change in these farm machinery index, uh, farm capital investment index, is very reflective of the change in income prospects. So we always ask some other questions to try and learn a little bit more about what people are thinking. One of those questions we asked was, uh, over the next five years, do you think ag exports are more likely to increase, decrease, or remain about the same? And I think this month it came back to us and said they were more optimistic about exports. Um, we had, you know, a little bit of a dip in September. That index had had risen back in uh, I think August. Uh, people became more optimistic as it became clear we were starting to move more products to uh, to China. It dipped a little bit in September, came back here in, in October, 65% said they expect to see an increase. The interesting thing about that is that's still below where we were back before the pandemic hit. Back before the pandemic hit, we were running between 70 and 72% saying we expect to see an increase over the next five years. This was the most optimistic reading here in October that we've received for a while, but still it was at 65%. So not as optimistic as uh, people were back in January and February. And I kind of hang this on the fact that there's still some uncertainty out there with respect to the world economy. Um, yes, we had some very strong growth in the U.S. for the latest quarter, uh, looking at the GDP, but that isn't necessarily been the case everywhere. And so I, I think as long as there's that persistence, uh, persistence of uncertainty out there, uh, there's been some lockdowns in Europe, for example, recently, uh, some re-lockdowns. And so as long as there's that uncertainty out there, we're probably not going to reach those levels. Uh, that we saw earlier this year in terms of exports. Percentage to think exports are going to increase the next five years. Yeah, and of course, when you talk about exports, I think the, the single market that people focus on or at least think about the most is what's happening uh, with China. So one of the questions we asked this month, and actually the last couple of months, is do you think it is likely or unlikely that China will fulfill the food and ag import requirements outlined in the phase one agreement that was signed back in January of 2020? And to set the stage, in September, only 47% said they thought it was likely that China would fulfill the phase one uh, agreement uh, requirements. In October, that rose to 59%. And I think there's probably two ways to interpret that. One is to say, well, people became more optimistic about trade with China, particularly as the news reports were indicating China was purchasing more soybeans, purchasing more corn. Um, that made some increase in optimism, I think, for a lot of people. The flip side of that, though, is that there's still a significant uh, component of the farm sector that says they don't think they are going to fulfill those requirements. So we had 41% that are still somewhat skeptical. And maybe that explains that that 65% versus the 72% that we had back in February, Michael. I mean, I think uh, not everybody's convinced that China is going to fulfill its requirements under the phase one agreement. 
although there is more optimism about doing that this month than there was a month earlier. Yeah, you're likely right. Just like there's a divergence with a lot of policy issues, trade certainly a policy issue. There's divergence in expectations on what's going to happen with the with the trade deal with China. So we routinely ask people about their farmland price expectations, and the results again on this were quite interesting. We asked people their farmland price expectations looking 12 months into the future. 27% of the respondents this month said they expected to see higher farmland prices over the course of the next year. That was up from 23% that felt that way last month. And the interesting thing about that question, Michael, is it bottomed out back in April at only 7% expecting to see higher farmland values. But since then, that percentage expecting higher farmland values has been increasing every single month. Um, and that optimism, I think, is quite interesting and maybe reflective of what people think is really going on with respect to the ag economy. Yeah, I'm a little surprised that there were still 9% that thought farmland values are going to be lower. Uh, because we've seen a, a pretty large increase in net return to land. Uh, in fact, net return to land uh, for, is very comparable to cash rent uh, in a lot of places now. And so that's really changed, uh, like we've been saying over the last several months. But it also looks like interest rates are going to stay low. And so you get a combination of low interest rates and, and better earnings. That's going, to be, that's going to put upward pressure on land values. And so I'm a little surprised that there's still about 10% that think farmland value is going to be lower. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you, Michael, although I have to say uh, in the life of the survey, going back to the beginning of 16, when we first asked this question, um, that 9% is probably as low as it's ever been in terms of the percentage of people expecting lower farmland values. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens to that in this upcoming month. And maybe those are just people that are wishful thinking. Well, there, there's some folks that are always pessimistic, I think, and yeah. maybe that's that's what's going on. But I, I agree with you. I mean, the two drivers there are the low interest rate environment, which is putting upward pressure on so many different capital assets. And then secondly, the fact that the income prospects look so much better than they did just a couple of months ago. And so, I think you can concur. I'm not always overly optimistic on where land values are going in the last five years, but I'm I'm pretty optimistic right now. Uh, not that we're going to see large increases, but certainly stable. Uh, and, and if they do move, it's going to be upward rather than downward. Yeah, I, I would favor upward movement over the course of the winter. It's going to be interesting to see how some of the auctions turn out here. Uh, we're still just a little bit early for farmland auction season, but that'll be uh, kicking into high gear here in just a few weeks. And we'll be getting some reports on some of those transactions. But some of the transactions that we have heard about recently have been for higher values. So I think there is some evidence out there of some strength in farmland values. Um, our follow-up question that we've been asking the last uh, two months now is we've been asking people what they think is going to happen with respect to cash rental rates on farmland in 2021 compared to 2020. And the contrast between what people told us in September versus October is pretty interesting. So if you look at the numbers um, in September, only 8% of the people in the survey said they expected to see higher farmland uh, cash rental rates in 2021 versus 2020, with the vast majority of the respondents telling us that they expected to see uh, farmland cash rental rates essentially hold about the same. I think 82% in September said they thought those rental rates would stay about the same. In October, it shifted big time. Uh, from 8% expecting higher cash rental rates to 38% expecting higher cash rental rates. 
and the percentage expecting rates to stay about the same dropped back to 51%. So I think that's reflective again of what's going on with the income numbers and uh, really coincides pretty closely with what we saw in that farmland price expectation question. Yeah, when we were putting together this index this month, uh, a couple of questions that, that, I, that I looked at and said the index is going up and probably going up quite a bit was that first question, uh, looking at whether whether the financial performance this year was better than last year. That was very optimistic, but also this one. Uh, this one sure signaled that there's some profitability out there and people think that profitability is going to be bid into cash rents and they're not necessarily wrong. There's a very strong link between profitability uh, in 2020, for example, and, and cash rents in 2021. And so if profitability is higher in 2020, like we expect it to be, that's certainly going to put upward pressure on cash rents in 2021. Yeah, I agree. And that's, I think the amazing thing is how quickly the outlook has, has shifted, right? Uh, we weren't anticipating this back in June and July, but things have shifted so sharply with the rise in commodity prices, um, China stepping back into um, the export markets. Um, it's, it's really changed the, the outlook dramatically. And then I guess we really haven't talked about this, but for our, so many of our respondents, uh, corn and soybean farmers in particular, um, so many of those folks are looking at record high yields this fall, or at least near record high yields. And you put that together with the strength of commodity prices, and that really boosts the revenue picture and, and really changes the farm income outlook quite dramatically. And then I also saw USDA, uh, USDA ERS put out something about uh, costs, uh, and 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 uh, production costs were down for the sixth straight year. And so and so we've been controlling costs at the, at the you know this year, and at the same time. Uh, looking at higher revenue, and so certainly uh, much stronger profitability prospects this year. Well, Michael, that kind of wraps up our discussion for today. For more details about the Purdue CME Group Ag Economy Barometer, go to our website, which is purdue.edu slash agbarometer. Um, join us for our next fall crop outlook webinar. That'll be coming up very soon. That uh, will come out following the release of USDA's November crop production and WASDE reports on Wednesday, November 11th. Those reports come out on Tuesday the 10th, and we'll be doing a webinar on Wednesday, November 11th at 1130 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can register for that webinar at purdue.edu slash commercial ag. And uh, I encourage you to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. On behalf of Michael Langemeyer and the Purdue University Center for Commercial Agriculture, I'm Jim Mintert. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.